1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. Uh, You can find out more and uh, visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo. She's our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll speak with my wife, Linda, Linda Harden. She uh, writes greetings from Paradise. So we'll find out what's on her mind uh, this morning as well. By the way, put a little shout-out to Art, uh, uh, who my IT guy, He uh, Cornitis. all right, uh got things fixed up today we'll see how this goes today but I have a feeling everything's going to go okay we spent a couple of hours working on the on the uh technology so uh should be good to go today it is December the 14th and on this day in 1911 Norwegian Roald or Edmundsson, became the first explorer to reach the South Pole beating British rival Robert Falcon Scott Edmundson born in Bourges near Oslo in 1872, was one of the great figures in polar exploration. In 1897, he was first made on a Belgian expedition that was the first ever to winter in the Antarctic. In 1903, he guided a 47-ton sloop, Goja, that's my attempt at Norwegian, through the Northwest Passage and around the Canadian coast, the first navigator to accomplish the treacherous journey. Amundsen planned to be the first man to the North Pole, and he was about to embark in 1909 when he learned that American Robert Perry had achieved the feat. Amundsen completed his preparations and in June 1910 sailed in, instead for Antarctica, where the English explorer Robert F. Scott was also headed with the aim of reaching the South Pole. In early 1911, Amundsen sailed his ship into Antarctica's Bay of Wales and set up base about 60 miles closer to the pole than Scott. In October, both explorers set off, Amundsen using sleigh dogs, and Scott employed Siberian motor sledges, Siberian ponies and dogs. On December 14, 1911, Amundsen's exploration won the race to the pole and, re- and returned safely to base camp in late January. <clears throat> scott's expedition was uh, less fortunate the motor sleds broke down the ponies had to be shot and the dog teams were sent back as scott and four companions continued on foot can you imagine on january the 18th 1912 they reached the pole only to find that amundsen had preceded them over <laughs> over a month how frustrating must that have been Weather on the return journey was exceptionally bad. Two members actually perished, and a storm later trapped Scott and two other survivors in their tent for only 11 miles from their base camp. Scott's frozen body was later found that year. After his historic Antarctic journey, Amundsen established a successful shipping business. He later made attempts to become the first explorer to fly over the North Pole. In 1925, on an airplane, he flew within 150 miles of the goal. In 1926, he passed over the North Pole in in a dirigible just three days after American explorer Robert E. Byrd, or Richard Byrd, I should say, had apparently done so in an aircraft. In 1996, a diary that Byrd kept on the flight was found that seemed to suggest that he had turned back 150 miles short of his goal because of an oil leak making Amundsen's dirigible expedition the first flight over the North Pole. In 1928, Amundsen lost his life while trying to rescue a fellow explorer whose dirigible had crashed at sea near Splitsbergen, Norway. So interesting. Uh, this fascination of on the, in Antarctica and the South Pole. Uh, a lot of money, a lot of effort, and a lot of focus on being the first in uh, that continent. Well, uh, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Who said that? So interesting. Albert Einstein. There are no coincidences, as uh, Steve Bannon likes to say, only uh, facts. A family nor- uh, spokesperson for Chef Brian Rowland discussed the latest on his condition Monday. Dana Foman said he remains critical but stable at Lee Memorial Hospital in Fort Myers, adding he's doing a lot better than he was last week. Isn't that great news? Uh, in the absence of information, of course, we assume the worst. At least I was. And uh, Chef uh, Brian Rowland, of course, is the owner and founder of of uh, Crave Culinaire, so generous with his time and with his wonderful work, uh, supporting charities like Gulf Shore Playhouse when I was board chairman. He was always there to support us and supporting everyone. He's a great guy and a tremendous resource in the community. Just uh, hope that he's going to be okay. Great to hear that he's actually having a better week this week. Hopefully he's on the mend. Joe Biden on Monday said he's going to visit tornado-ravaged Kentucky on Wednesday. Over 100 are feared dead in Kentucky after at least 18 tornadoes tore through the heartland late Friday night and early Saturday morning. Thousands in Kentucky lost their homes, but Joe's focus, his priority is to set up booster shot sites amid the rubble. Can you imagine that? These people, many of them homeless, needing food, uh, stricken with loss. And he wants to set up booster shot sites. I think Joe, whole Joe is a little bit tone deaf right now. Well, even the White House and Democrats in Congress are conceding that last week was a catastrophically bad week for Build Back Better. First came the Joe Biden, or, or, I'm sorry, Joe Manchin body slams against the bill, arguing it was bad for America, bad for the West Virginia, and uh, full of phony numbers. Next, the inflation report revealed prices rising nearly seven percent higher in four highest in four decades. The economic case for uh, adding trillions more to debt has totally melted down. And then the coup de grace came later on Friday when the CBO ana- reported the real price tag for the spending bill is twice as high as Democrats had been saying. And no, it's not even doesn't even come close to paying for itself. The ten-year deficit is a cool. trillion. That's with a T, trillion dollars. And the fatal wounds? Uh, Well, we sure hope so. But even if they aren't, uh, what's clear is that the bill that makes it through the Senate at this point will be a skeleton version of the original Biden blowout. We can only hope that this bill doesn't make it through. There's no sense, and it's going to be very inflationary if it does. Even Biden himself is doubting whether Manchin's vote is gettable. Uh, We'll just keep pounding away about this bill until uh, it's down for the count. Hopefully it will become down for, for the count. They're trying to get it through by Christmas, by the way. Unbelievable. Pretty persistent, those Democrats, aren't they? Well, Democrats are losing their edge with Hispanic voters and prominent members of the minority community and are sounding the alarm to President Joe Biden and their Capitol Hill colleagues before next year's midterm election cycle. Democrats no longer have the advantage with Hispanic voters when they're asked whether they would support their local Democratic or Republican congressional candidate if the midterm elections were held today. Well, last year, more than 60 percent told pollsters they would cast their ballot for Democrat contenders. Now... 37% said they would make the same choice, while the same percentage would back the Republican. Roughly one in five are undecided at this point. Republicans are undermining Democrats' stranglehold on the Hispanic vote as Biden's Justice Department sues such states as Georgia over its election integrity laws and Texas over its redistricting proposal, both of which it argues discriminate against minorities, according to Suffolk University Political Research. With the overall Hispanic population growing as faster than any other demographic in the United States, both parties know that the 22 midterm, 2022 midterm kingmakers could be these Hispanic voters. Democrats are hemorrhaging support among Hispanics, according to the Republican strategist Cesar Conda. Republicans can accelerate the shift among Hispanics by not only offering a real solutions on educations, jobs, and the economy and crime, but by opposing the Democrats' big government socialism and wokeness, he said. Hispanics, now this is key, Hispanics are horrified that Democrats are implementing the same kind of socialism that they fled uh, in their home countries. Let me pre- repeat that. Hispanics are horrified that Democrats are implementing the same kind of socialism that many of them escape from in their home countries. Biden's vaccine mandates are a huge concern among Hispanics who worry about their job security. Uh, also, uh, the group is broadly supports uh, secure borders, he added. Recognize that Hispanics are not monolithic. Each subgroup has slightly different issue sets, the consulting firm Navigators Global Partners said. Immigration reform to legalize the undocumented isn't a unifying issue among Hispanic populations. Mexican-Americans are far more animated about immigration reform than as Puerto Ricans or Cubans, for example. Uh, statehood for Puerto Rico is a top issue for Puerto Rican voters in Central Florida. The polling amplifies the complaints several Democrats are having about the party speaks to Latinos and, and Hispanics and how the community is being represented within Biden's administration. Some Democratic operatives are uh, open about their concerns regarding their Republicans' better identity engage, and uh, mobilize their base and swing voters more generally. House Democrats' campaign arm launched a $30 million program last month targeting minorities earlier than ever before. In tandem, their Senate, Senate uh, counterpart has been pushing Latino-centric economic talking points, including the low unemployment rate and how 17 million children have benefited from Biden's enhanced child credit. Well, here's the deal. <clears throat> I come back to that one sentence. Many of the Hispanics are fleeing uh, corrupt governments coming from socialist agendas and trying to come into the United States where it's free, where they have a, have opportunity. Even if they're starting off worse than they were when they were in Mexico or these other countries in Central America or South America, they just want opportunity. And uh, they've seen what other people have achieved and they want the same opportunity as them. They don't want free stuff. They don't want government programs. They don't want they what they've seen in these South American countries. So... Uh, The Democrats, I think, are on the wrong tack, and I have a feeling that the irony of all this is that they're going to end up becoming Republicans, or whether they're Republicans or not, they're going to be for uh, a free economy, which, of course, the Democrats are not. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome
0: back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on this board. What this organization does great things under the leadership of Taryn Bragdon. Among them, for example, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board. I hope you'll find out more. Visit the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. I made a mistake. Uh, I forgot that Kathleen Pasadena told me she would be unavailable this week, so we're not going to be able to visit with Kathleen. But nevertheless, hope that she uh, has a wonderful uh, family holiday, Christmas, uh, wherever she is. Well, let's talk about the Omicron virus. It's uh, so far providing, proving to be extremely mild. Uh, now, mind you, we have uh, places like New York. California just uh, decided, uh, Newsom decided that he's going to uh, have mask mandates, even for the vaccinated, indoor vac- uh, mandates, uh, vaccine mandates, uh, vaccine mask mandates. In Oregon, they're considering permanent uh, mask mandates if you're indoors. Irrespective of what's going on with the virus or illness or so forth, can you believe that? Uh, while Omicron is proving to be mild, hospitalization utilization in Omicron epicenter uh, uh, province in South Africa, even even as cases hit a new high yesterday, are likely approaching a peak. Uh, but they're mild cases. The chair of South African Medical Association remains baffled. That's right, baffled at the panic in Europe, the UK, and the United States. This is not Delta. This is a mild disease, she told UK host, uh, host Tom Starbrick yesterday on a radio show. So uh, right now it's proving to be mild. And of course, uh, most of the pundits will say, well, we don't know for sure. There has been one death reported, reported three weeks after the first case. But uh, out of all the cases, and again, keep, keep in mind, it's the ones with suppressed immune systems, the people that are struggling. I talked to a friend of mine. He said, you know, I have a friend that died of coronavirus. My brother, actually. I said, oh, my gosh, that's too bad. He said, well, he had so many other diseases. So much was going wrong with his life and cancer and so forth. He said he probably didn't die of it, but he had it. Well, keep in mind, that's who this virus attacks. uh, And people should be concerned, uh, even if it's a mild uh, disease. After all, the flu kills people. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, but what I suggest is that most people don't take into account that they have protection in the form of their immune system. And further, we're empowered by getting sunshine, uh, by doing other things, uh, taking zinc, uh, vitamin C, uh, taking some things that could perhaps... Uh, make us more immune uh, to the coronavirus. Senator Rand Paul, who's not also a doctor, took aim at the COVID restrictions that have become down from uh, Biden and his administration from Democrat leaders across the country. He said that the restrictions aren't about curbing COVID, but about controlling American people. Let that sink in. That's Rand Paul's. He's a medical doctor, ophthalmologist, He spoke out against Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, who complained on the Senate floor that the GOP leaders who who voted to overturn President Joe Biden's mask mandate were anti-science and anti-vaccine. Schumer claimed that we cannot go back to the days when people were driven by wild theories. Some of the anti-vaxxers here in the chamber remind me of what happened 400 years ago when people were clinging to the fact that the sun revolved around the earth. They just didn't believe science or 500 years ago when they were sure the earth was flat, said Schumer. In response to that, Paul said, My colleague Chuck Schumer... Boy, that's that Senate uh, collegial atmosphere. My colleague Chuck Schumer, he said, left out one thing. When they were denying that the Earth went around the sun, it was the government denying that, and it was the independent scientists trying to set them straight. Paul was referring to Galileo, the Italian scientist who discovered through use of the telescope that the Earth rotated around the sun and not, as was previously believed, that the other way around he was the first to see that the moon had mountains. Galileo challenged the accepted wisdom of his time, and for that heresy, was placed under a life sentence of house arrest by the Roman Catholic Church in 1633. He actually died while he was serving his sentence. So the danger is when you let science be controlled by government or by one sort of monolithic individual like Fauci, it really doesn't have anything to do with science. It uh, Uh, Rand Paul, science usually discovers the truth eventually, but when science is dictated by the government, that's when you get to, you know, flat earthers, Pat Paul said. They seem to love the character assassination insults, Senator. That's what Bongino said. He was on his show. Dan Bongino. But listen, as you uh, well know, before an active proponent of God, given rights and uh, liberties is a zero-sum game. You can't have a big sphere of government liberty or individual liberty and big government at the same time, said Bongino. And what's really concerning me, Senator, is he's constantly moving goalposts, which you don't seem to be grounded in science at all. He keeps shrinking the sphere of individual liberty and empowering more and more government. And it's not going to stop until we stop it, he said. There doesn't seem to be any an end point here. I just don't think it's been about science for a long time, Paul said unequivocally. It's really about conditioning the American people and the American individual to submit to government. And you're right, it never ends. And the goalposts will continue to change and move. And ultimately, more and more uh, of your health care will be controlled. You know, under socialized medicine, said Paul, when we centralize all controls, most of the decisions are made by government bureaucrats like Fauci. So if you love the dictates on vaccines, you'll love it when Fauci is in charge of who can be dialyzed. In your England for many years, it wouldn't dialyze you after age 50 because they thought
3: that... uh,
1: I don't know what's happening here, but... Uh, Hopefully that stops it. (laughs) Anyhow, nearly 61% of the United States population is fully vaccinated, while 72% have one shot, and almost 17% of Americans have received a booster shot. Nevertheless, uh, as you can see, uh, Rand Paul's concern is not about uh, safety and health care. He thinks we can take care of ourselves. He's concerned about government control, and you see it over and over again. Pretty amazing. Coming up now, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state of the art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett-Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state of the art performing arts center and about the season's exciting productions visit golfshoreplayhouse.org that's golfshoreplayhouse.org we'll see you at the show
0: welcome back to the bob harton show and now here's your host bob harton
1: thanks so much for joining us here on the show it's brought to you in part by choice social Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. You can download the app and find out more by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Every time I say that, it just makes me smile. (laughs) Boo, (laughs) Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. And are you ready for the holidays? They're right around the corner. Now,
1: son of a gun, that was my now, first question. J-
2: I'm assuming that you do stuff for the holidays. Well, you go out and shop?
1: No, we, uh, well, yes, we do. We go out and shop for our own gifts. <laughs> so, Linda says, uh, for example, uh, this is what I'd like for Christmas. And I say, well, that's great. Well, why don't you just pick it out and make sure that you get the one that you want? <laughs> and so she does. And I, the most, the biggest thing that we do is exchange cards. We we exchange many Christmas cards on Christmas. How about you?
2: Well, Lauren and I do the same thing. He doesn't want to go out and shop. He's not a shopper. So I either give him a store that he calls and I tell him what to order. Or, you know, I think I'm finally at the age where I don't want stuff anymore. Yeah. I really, I'm not, inter- I mean, how many handbags do you need? How many, do you need any more jewelry? Nah. Yeah. You know, I think I rather have experiences. I rather have Lauren and I go out and have a wonderful dinner together or something special along those lines.
1: Well, that, you know, and I think that's a sign of the—that's uh, of our age, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I think that people tend to move away from uh, accumulating stuff and want to have uh, life experiences. You know, I, I think over Christmas holidays, I mean, it's a spiritual time, quite frankly. It's a time for happiness and rebirth. I mean, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, the shortest day of the year, it all kind of comes together, and it's a... a Everything kind of springs forward. It's it's uh, like a new beginning, and I that's that's kind of the way I experience it.
2: Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, I've got one Christmas joke. What's the difference between a snowman and a snow lady?
1: <laughs> well, I don't think I we want to take a stab at that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea, boo.
2: Snowballs.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> making me laugh. <laughs> Isn't
2: that cute?
1: That's pretty darn Somehow, cute.
2: I think that's such a cute joke.
1: Well, I like it a lot. So... Oh,
2: my heavens. Well, on a different note, I have found that, number one, 40% of the workforce is still not going back to work. They are less than 40. They uh, have decided that they're still going to work out of home. So offices, businesses are doing so much more to entice workers back. It almost makes me think, God, I ought to hop back into the workforce <laughs> and take advantage of some of these perks. Number one, now they have engagement days when all employees will be required to attend. It used to be, it was you work, you went to work for five days a week, yeah, right. Now they have engagement days. Hmm. So they're wanting to make offices seem more like a destination. So they're tripling the size of dining areas. They're moving out desks and adding couches, lounge areas, TVs, whiteboards. They are including outdoor terraces, sweeping views, interfaith prayer rooms, tech-free reflection zones, yoga, wellness centers. I mean, how cool is all this stuff? Well, huh?
1: you're, you're describing play, a place that anybody would want to be during the course of the day, as opposed to going to sit in my office and uh, or sit yeah. in my cubicle in a and cubby. yeah, exactly, and be isolated. Uh, it sounds like it's a place for socialization as well as uh, a place to get some work done. Yeah, it's a concern of mine, quite frankly. If you own commercial real estate, you got to be thinking what what's the future holding for my investment at this point? You know, uh, the what you're describing that place could actually be built. For any business and uh, your social, what did you call those days uh, coming together? Engagement days. Engagement days. Okay. So our engagement day is going to be on Thursday. So we come together. Nobody has Mm -hmm. personal items there because everything's on your computer. So you bring your computer to work and you have your engagement day. The very same facility could be used for another business the following day. You know, you have the janitor. Oh yeah. You know, so what do you need? What do you need office space for? Anyhow, you could start running your business. Your business, uh, if you own commercial real estate, would be having uh, a place for companies to have engagement days.
2: Right, their destination zones.
1: Yeah, exactly. With so
2: catering. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. it makes and me then wonder. Then you
2: compound the problem because in New York, San Francisco, and Chicago, more than 80 percent, 80 percent of all office space is older than 30 years old.
1: Yeah. So little be so this. What are you going to do old with—
2: Old outdated.
1: Yeah, so they're going to tear it to— I, my, What I think might happen is you're going to start taking these— You know, Remember what they've done to these lofts in, in New York City? They turn them into uh, condominiums. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the same thing could happen with office buildings in downtown Chicago, for example. All of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you've know, you got a, a three-day bedroom apartment, which used to be kind of an office complex or the corner office for, uh, for some business.
2: Well, I think that that's a great idea. You know, they are, They're re, rejiggering them, so to speak, and yeah. they're turning a lot, a lot of expansive, not downtown city, but more uh, expansive office space into warehouses, like distribution uh, warehouses. They're just gutting all of it and turning it into an Amazon distribution center.
1: Yeah. Isn't that something, by the way, I'm changing topics on you in a hurry here, but uh, just reflecting on what happened in uh, Kentucky, in the Midwest, all those, uh, I guess the uh, those tornadoes covered an area of about 200 and some miles. Just devastating. Yeah, one weird.
2: tornado alone went 250 miles.
1: Yeah, uh, unbelievable the devastation that occurred. I just can't imagine. Of course, uh, uh, Joe Biden, the first thing he does is jump on climate change. <laughs> We've got climate change. And then he says, I'm going to go on Wednesdays, waiting until t- to tomorrow, to visit the area where he's bringing along uh, some people to give a booster shots. <laughs> oh, don't tell me <laughs> Yes, that. indeed. The guy is totally tone deaf. He, he's, you know, when people are looking for spiritual support and prayer and looking for reinforcement, know the federal government's going to be there for them and support them, he's bringing booster
2: shots. You know, he's crime and he's
1: like a one-trick pony he really is you know it, you know, you can just see his mind work you know what's the political angle on this <laughs> how can i get some political currency out of what's going on no matter how
2: and isn't that tragic
1: it is tragic it's just terrible and just say this uh, coronavirus right now it's apparently it's got like a cold the uh, south african um, omicron variant uh from what we understand so far is that it's pretty mild. That's what the South African uh, doctors are saying. There's been one death across the entire globe uh, in the first three weeks. So it's, it's, all the evidence, it points to the fact it's pretty mild. but uh, we're already masking people up in California and uh, uh, in New York City. You just uh, how can we just uh, how can we leverage this political opportunity for people from getting the common cold?
2: It's just crazy. I mean, they've just politicized it, and it's everything else is in such a shamble that I think they're hoping that this is their bright, shining star. This will be his legacy.
1: Yeah. It sure meanwhile, will. Meanwhile,
2: everything else is falling apart, and China and Russia are licking their chops.
1: So true. Because
2: boo. they are seeing how weak we are. Yeah. And that's scary.
1: But, you know, I, I took you away from your major point, which I think is a great one. And I really appreciate the, the fact that the commercial real estate, uh, it's kind of morphing right now. The workplace is morphing, and that's causing real estate to morph as a consequence. And people are just basically saying, hey, you know what? I really don't like going to the office. You know, in fact, I think I'll quit my job. Yeah. I, think about the, how, how much the uh, workforce uh, tr- has been shrinking in the last six months or eight months.
2: You know, it's got to be just amazing. Like if you are in middle management and you don't like your job and they expect you to, to go to work, punch a clock, do it, I guess, the old-fashioned way, which is going to work five days a week. Uh, and you can go to a, you know, they're, they're following something that is glitzy and shiny. They only have to go to work three days a week. And then when they're there, they get catered meals. They go take yoga. You know, they've got a reflection room. I'd go there.
1: You know what, Boo? I just wonder if anything's ever going to get done again in the United States. It's you wonder. pretty incredible. Boo Morrison, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. I really uh, you add so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich
0: back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a beautiful 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more. Get tickets by visiting the website. And Great value in the tickets. GulfShorePlayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you very much, sir.
1: Seton, tell us about Less Government.
4: Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and (laughs) we're being beaten by redundancy.
1: Reading, which is all what your column is all about this week. Uh, You write several, but uh, this one is really fascinating. 456 federal agencies, question mark, the push for ever-expanding redundant over government. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah, I, I, I started writing yesterday, and I just did a search on some variation of the phrase, how many federal agencies are there? And the number that came back immediately was a website that said 456. Wow. Now, then I kept reading, and Wikipedia says, and this is where it gets you know more um, morosely humorous <laughs> uh the nobody in congress can tell you how many there are uh no one can decide uh, decide on what a definition of an agency is so you can't really count them because one congressman's agency is another person's non-agency or something yeah um uh, and despite this lack of ability to define what they're doing they keep expanding all of it yeah and they don't know you know in a a, a small note a smaller note they're trying to spend government money on broadband they want they want the government to get into the broadband business and they want to serve the unders the unserved the people who don't so then my first thought always is, okay, map out who does, who isn't served so you don't end up having government redundantly compete with the private sector right. in areas of the country that already have broadband. And nobody can draw a map in the government to, do, to, to tell us this. Right. There is no accurate map to tell us this. But despite that, despite the fact that they don't know where – wired is, despite the fact that we're going to very rapidly go to wireless anyway, right. because 5G is going to be faster than our current wired speeds, and we're headed in that direction in a big hurry, again, because of the private sector, not because of government. Despite all of this, they just put $65 billion in that stupid bipartisan infrastructure bill that shouldn't have been passed, and McConnell's a moron for passing it. Yeah. Um, and the $65 billion is on top of... I said, I know the government already spends money on broadband. This is not like a, the, the first infusion of federal money. So I went and looked it up. I think they were, uh, the, to my, I, I didn't search very hard for very long. Right. But I found there's three agencies with sub-agencies that spend money on broadband, Hmm. the National Telecommunications Information Agency, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, and believe it or not, the the Department of Agriculture. Um, (laughs) And there are at least a half dozen broadband programs at NTIA. There are at least a half dozen broadband programs at the Department of Agriculture, and there are four huge ones at the FCC. Huge. I'm talking billions of billions of dollars every year. Hmm. Look at your phone bill. Look at the Universal Service Fund tax. That's funding broadband. Hmm. And it's it's over 25%.
1: Wow. So, I-
4: and, so, and so I'm like, would you please? And, and of course, all of these programs exist and they had to pass a law in June of this year to get the three agencies and all the sub-agencies to get together and discuss where they're spending money because no one knows who's spending what where. And so you could have five different programs in one area.
1: Uh, and it's five different programs duplicating the effort to do the same thing. That's the problem.
4: Yeah, yeah they're all broadband connectivity programs.
1: You, you well, know what when you when, you when you if make that two
4: operating in the same area they're redundant.
1: Yeah, when you're making that list, uh, you know, I immediately jumped to the notion that the state department has had, created initiatives to create some an internet program. I think uh, basically the intelligence agencies have done the same thing, so probably there's sub agencies you're not even including.
4: Yeah, I I looked at I looked at the big three. You know, I could have gone down the government. You know, there's 456 agencies. I could have gone down the rabbit hole, and I wouldn't be talking to you about the article. I'd still be writing it, still be researching it. You know, it's it's it's, and you know, again, this gets me back to my wallet rule. Bob, if you go out on Friday night with your wallet and you go out the following Friday night with my wallet, which Friday night you're gonna have more fun?
1: Well, I don't know which night I'll have more fun, but I know I'll spend more money on your wallet.
4: <laughs> That's right. And, and and because you don't care what my wallet looks like at the end of the evening. Well, government is always on someone else's wallet and the Friday night never ends. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't care if there's six or seven. It's better for them. Right. If six or seven different Programs are spending money in the same area because it's more work for bureaucrats. They, you know, the the, the government is an organism. Its first uh, priority is self-preservation. The second is to grow.
1: You know, uh, and see, I talked to a friend of mine who was uh, retired now, but she sp- uh, spent her career. Uh, giving seminars and uh, providing support for uh, government agencies like uh, schools, universities, and so forth. She told us, she said actually that, uh, people, uh, that some of these agencies would say, well, send us a bill for uh, services to be rendered because we do, we got to use up this money in our budget. That's
4: right. I, I dated a girl. Remember, I was, I was, I'm from D.C. I dated a girl who was a government contractor for office furniture. Yeah. And she said every, she said you should buy Office Depot stock every November because they have to spend all their money or they can't get more the next year. Yep. They have to empty out their bank accounts to justify the spending increase they asked for in the next year's budget. They can't get a spending increase if they have money left over for the previous year. She said, I can't tell you how many times some stupid – deputy secretary would get transferred from one arm of the Leviathan to the other six months after they got there, and they all ordered new furniture. <laughs> and then the new deputy secretary would come in and completely redesign and re- redecorate the entire building. Yeah. Six months after the last stupid, flunky deputy secretary did it.
1: And, 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 you, she'd,
4: she'd go and she'd go to him and try to convince him not to do it because she was conservative. And she said, they don't they don't care. They don't yeah. care at all.
1: You know, and you—you you mentioned it's, we're talking about billions, sixty billion dollars. That is sixty-five. Billion. Sixty-five. There's that's that's a, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of tamales for crying out loud. And that's yeah. on. To, that's an, we
4: don't have it. We're printing it.
1: Uh, and that's an afterthought in the budget because there's other major programs. It's
4: a one point two trillion dollar bill.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. You're talking.
4: You're talking a fraction. Uh, a, a minuscule fraction of the overall spending.
1: Yeah. Seed Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you, uh, our listeners to go to the website lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate this. Such an interesting commentary. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you very much, sir.
1: My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Linda is uh, the author of Greetings from Paradise. Uh, She also is my wife. (laughs) She's pretty damn smart. I enjoy enjoy her company as well as her commentary. So we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She not only writes greetings from paradise, but she's a terrific wife. I just enjoy her company so much. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Good morning. Does this work? It works. After after the blow up at the Bob Harden show of all things electronic.
1: It's just amazing. <laughs> I, I, I talked to our IT guy, uh, Art Cornitis. I've learned to say his name correctly. I know. Art. <laughs> and... Uh, Uh, You know, he said, things are very logical, and everything works in a very logical way, so you just have to follow the logic in the process. To me, it's not logical. It's all total (laughs) chaos, and there's gremlins crawling around uh, over the weekend. They start to sabotage my equipment. I don't know how this stuff goes south on me like it does.
3: Just, just let me remind you not to fault you in any way. Of course. But— I know how you are with the remote control for the TV, so <laughs> yeah. something could have to do. That's logical.
1: Yeah, I could screw up a one-step camera. So, yeah. anyhow, hey, last night we had a, a reception for Byron Donalds, it was great. Our, our congressman, and a pretty. What What are your thoughts? I think I thought Byron. He got up and he start, he's just started talking to us. I was just so impressed with. Uh, how his fast, his he's so verbally facile. He's just uh, so informed, so articulate. I just thought it was just fantastic. What was
3: great was that uh, the people, the people that came last night were already fans, mm-hmm. and so they were anxious to hear anything and everything he had to say, and they were full of questions, and he answered everything.
1: Yeah, so it was. I it, mean, I,
3: by the way, I'm sure that if he wanted to keep going. He could still be there.
1: Absolutely. But it was a, a terrific event and uh, just very proud to have uh, sponsored that for uh, Byron uh, along with uh, Tom Moran. Uh, our families, Tom and Sandy Moran and Linda and I, sponsored the event and we had a wonderful time last night and raised a lot of money for his campaign coming up because uh, he does already have a challenger from the Democrat Party. I don't think uh, she's got a prayer, but irrespective... I don't even know her name. Uh, neither do I. And I don't think and that's... And let's not give her any... Uh, no, that's clicks. right. That's right. That's right. So uh, I know you're following this January 6th commission right now, and uh, things are... They're starting to get really serious about this. They're starting to throw indictments around and uh, contempt charges and so forth.
3: Well, they're they're afraid, and, and Liz Cheney is throwing her whole... Um, political career under the bus by doing this it's just really interesting to watch um well
1: i'll say she's doubling down she thinks i think that she's going to prevail because that she all this will splash on donald trump and it'll exonerate her in her position but well
3: well, that i mean that just underscores what i just said was that he she's throwing her her political career under the bus because because she nobody in wyoming she's been censured in wyoming she's got a, a, a popularity poll of like zero right in her own state they don't even want her there and and she's throwing just because i mean robert it's just all about um trump derangement syndrome that's all it's about yeah and and it's probably absolutely befuddling them that no matter what they do or how they do it donald trump is out there his he's gaining in popularity not that he didn't not that he didn't have the popularity before, but it's just resounding now. Well,
1: you know why he's popular. I mean, it has nothing, in my opinion, nothing to do with his personality. In fact, if anything, uh, his o- personality is off-putting for many people. The reason why he's, he's... real. Yeah, but the reason he's real, number one, but number two, American people who support him understand that that for the first time in government, the political elite are not taking over and they're not running for their own benefit. The, he, They believe... He's sacrificing his business in order to support us and to get us back on track as a country, to have the country uh, for the people, by the people, unlike the political elite who are running the country for their own benefit.
3: Well, and and uh, like he said in, in this, this other um, event that he was at with Bill O'Reilly the other night, Trump said, he says the people are are waking up and it's not for lack of the current administration shouting yeah. their ineptitude from the rooftops right. because because the country is going to hell in a handbasket oh by the way yeah. and and so and so um i mean in in 11 months joe biden and his feckless uh administ- don't you love that word i know it's, it's, i've used that <laughs> word more than any other i think feckless well they are and and they have absolutely in promises of making this country better they have absolutely ruined it yeah in so many ways yeah I, I mean it's just it's just astounding me they can't they w- one um, commentator that i know that we both like a lot of dan bongino he says he says i look forward to getting in an argument with a democrat because guess what they don't know what they're doing. They couldn't. They have no knowledge of running anything. They couldn't run a Seven yeah. they, Eleven if they wanted to. And it's and it's being shown every single day.
1: So uh, back to this January sixth Commissioner. First of all, it's not. It's uh, it's uh, illegitimate. And I, the reason I say that is because the rules, parliamentary rules for uh, having a committee like that, is that there needs to be have a certain number of Democrats and Republicans. Well, Nancy Pelosi rejected the Republicans uh, nominated for the committee, uh, accepted she nominated her own two, and of course those are the uh, uh, anti-Trump rhinos.
3: One of whom will be not returning uh, to Congress because his state – Redistricted him so he doesn't even have a district. Yeah, but
1: so, so the point so neither of them will end up being in Congress in, in 2022. Point is though, it's an illegitimate uh, committee.
3: Well, but and, and and oh by the way, it, it's all about the quote unquote insurrection. Not one of these people that have been held in in the D.C. city jail in all since um, they were arrested has been charged with insurrection. Right. Not any of them. And and Julie Kelly, just let me refer your listeners to um, a great site I used to follow this gal Julie Kelly when I was on Twitter before I was banned uh, and she's still on there but she is an investigative reporter of the highest degree and she has just got this this grin on her face every time she's on Bannon or Tucker or whatever She wait she says just wait because between between her and Darren Beatty. They're, who
1: they're, who Darren Beatty is the publisher of revolver.news
3: and and they're doing this expose exposé on January 6th the the select committee is hiding like 40 40,000 4,000 or 40,000 hours of tape from that 40,000 which, which is showing which is showing the Capitol police beating this woman to death yeah and the and the select committee is running around with their hair on fire trying to stop all this, meanwhile trying to – it's falling apart. What so doing the, is the apart.
1: committee itself, it's its a cover-up, number one. Number two, they're running out of time because they understand that when 2022 like – the jig is up when 2022 comes along and their committee has to dissolve. Number three, it's illegitimate, and they know that if it's brought to court that they're, they're going to be cited for they uh, the fact that they don't have the – they can't they can't even uh make these uh charges stick because they're not a legitimate committee.
3: And let's and let's say the quiet part out loud, which is that the FBI helped to start this whole thing. Exactly. And Christopher Ray is not saying diddly squat about any of it. <laughs> yeah, it's I so mean true. he's hiding under his bed somewhere, but nobody can find him. And 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 between the 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 hoax kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan the, um, to this quote-unquote insurrection, the FBI w- people were instigators. Yeah. They were instigators. And, and the select committee is trying to pretend that that doesn't exist, and they can't anymore because even Fox News now, um, in, in uh, Fox and Friends are now saying, well, it looks what hap- look, look at what's happening because they haven't even commented on it before now. And so Mark Meadows, God bless him, uh, is suing Nancy Pelosi and the Select Committee yeah. and throwing it right back in their faces. Where they're just—can you imagine? Uh, Nancy Pelosi's probably under desk. Well, and, and
1: and how about Steve Bannon having asking for—he wants discovery. He wants all these documents released. <laughs> and he's calling it a, a, a what did he call it? A, a something from hell. Uh, I, I not a felony. I've forgotten what it. A misdemeanor from hell. Oh, that was yeah. it. I yeah. Mean,
3: they they opened the wrong.
1: He's he's a fighter.
3: Oh my goodness! I can't wait. I mean, I I feel so sorry for those prisoners, but um, it's it's I just can't wait to see what happens
1: next. It's so true. Linda Harden, you know I always appreciate your commentary here the time goes by so quickly Sometimes have... we should have we should spend more time doing this on the show because we, I just really appreciate your... you could opinion. have the Linda Harden hour. Okay, we could do that too or because, we could...
3: because there's so much to talk about We
1: could have we could be the Linda Harden show. No no no, no. <laughs> Bob Harden <laughs> yeah. show Okay it's I, always yours. thanks so much for joining us, honey. All right well that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we've got great guests lined up for tomorrow including Bob Levy. he's the chairman of the Cato Institute. Andy Joppa, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be joining us. Always appreciate his commentary. As he likes to say, uh, culture precedes everything, including politics. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, in space architecture, author of a new book, just came out that he wrote with Buzz Aldrin. Really a great resource. Uh, He writes his column on Newsmax.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are.